I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. We have another great podcast for you this week with Coach Ed Crass. Ed puts on College Tennis Exposure Camp, and this is his 29th year doing those camps. And so he's got a ton of experience in helping junior players get prepared and ready for college tennis. Just to give you a little bit of background on Ed, he was the Harvard women's head coach and coached them to four consecutive Ivy League team titles and four national D1 team tournament appearances during the end of the 80s, from 86 to 90. And before that, he was the assistant men's coach at Clemson and coached under Coach Creasy there. And he led that men's team to two ACC team titles and uh, the number five national ranking in 1985. So he's had experience coaching at the collegiate level. Uh, he's also coached players who went on to have success on the professional circuit Ed himself played college tennis at the University, excuse me, University of Central Florida. He was there from 1978 to 82, and after he finished, he went on to coach that men's team. Uh, in 1983, they reached a number six national team ranking. So, Ed has some some extensive coaching experience, which he brings to his college tennis exposure camp. Ed has graciously offered a $50 discount to Parenting Aces listeners who would like to take advantage of sending their child to one of his camps this summer. All you need to do is contact Ed, and uh, his contact information will be shared at the end of the show, but uh, that phone number is 813-684-9031. That's the phone number for the College Tennis Exposure Camp. Again, 813-684-9031. Just let them know you're a Parenting Aces listener and you'd like to take advantage of the $50 discount for this summer's camps, and they will hook you up. So without further ado, let me go ahead and bring Ed Crass on the line, and we will get started with this week's podcast. Don't miss a thing on Parenting Aces. Be sure to sign up for our free e-newsletter so you're among the first to know when a new article is posted. Simply go to ParentingAces.com and enter your email address, then click subscribe in the subscribe for updates box on the right side of the page. Thanks so much for joining us on Parenting Aces this week. I have Ed Crass with us, and I'm so excited to have him on the show. I've been wanting to have him on for a long time, and I'm kind of in college tennis mode, it seems, with the podcast lately. So, Ed, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a busy guy, and the meat of your season is just cranking up. So I think the timing is probably pretty good here. Oh, without a doubt. Thanks for having me on the show, Lisa. So I mentioned in the intro that you come from a background of playing college tennis, coaching college tennis, and now you are in the business of helping players get exposure to a variety of college coaches so that they can play college tennis. Can you give us a little bit of background on how you got started in the recruiting world? Uh, sure. Well, when I was coaching um, 
at Harvard in in the late 80s, a lot of the players would write me letters. That, you know, of course, there weren't any emails back then. Um, but, you know, a lot of letters, a lot of phone calls from parents and players wanting to know if their player would be a nice fit for the program. And, you know, they didn't quite know the profile of, of, of that particular program at Harvard. And I said, you know, towards the end there and the end of my um, – uh, stay there. I, I decided, hey, what a great, great, you know, business to get into is starting camps with college coaches and trying to get the right type of player in there that would like to play college tennis. So that was kind of my transition from Harvard into doing this. Now I've been doing it for 29 years, uh, you know, helping kids with through our camps. So when you run your camps, what is the ultimate goal of the time that the kids are there? Sure. Well, we've got two-day camps and we've got four-day camps, and both of them have similar goals. Uh, you know, the two-day camps are, are are very instructional and, and you know, they're motivational. They give the kids a lot of insight into the process. And, you know, it, it, it's it's like two-prong. You want to give them a great education and, and a great entertainment time, but at the same time, you also want the coaches to have a good shot at at looking at them for for recruiting down the road, um, so it's it's really it's really a, a two prong program. It's instructional, and of course, it does have the recruiting element at, at the end of the day. If if a, if a player uh, likes a coach and a coach likes a player, then off they go for the for the recruiting visit and all that. Fantastic, and you know, there's so much confusion over the NCAA rules in terms of making contact with coaches and, you know, where can a coach watch my kid play and when can a coach talk to my kid and when can my kid talk to a coach? And so how do you stay on top of all that to ensure that your camps are in compliance with the NCAA rules? Yeah, what's beautiful about our camp is that it, it is instructional. You know, if it wasn't instructional and it was just a showcase, that would be a, a very different. So basically, uh, the, a lot of the parents, they get a little confused between a showcase and a camp. And a camp uh, that we have, we just happen to have all head college coaches instructing. So it's really a nice way around that where, you know, the players can speak with the coaches and the coaches can speak with the players because it is instructional. And a showcase is a little bit more of a high-pressured tournament format, as you know, and there's a lot of them popping up around the country. And those are, those are, um, those are platforms that, you know, you really cannot have any conversation directly with coaches. Right, right. So what is the difference between the camps that you put on versus, let's say, like the Nike tennis camps on the college campuses around the country? Yeah, I would say our camps are quite a bit different is that, you know, we have all head college coaches on the court. So every coach on the court is a head college coach. And so they get to work, you know, they get to work directly with, you know, those players. And the Nike camp, they might have an excellent, you know, director that's a head college coach on that campus. But they're usually at the at the freedom to hire whoever they want as instructors, you know what I mean? Mhm. So Yeah, I know. I would I mean, say that quality is different. Okay. So at your camp, you have more than one head coach instructing at a time, right? I mean, it's not just right. the head about coach 50, of that 
Exactly. So that's about 15 head coaches at each camp instructing on the courts. So let's say we have, you know, 55 players or whatever, you know, they'd all get to work with a different coach every 25 minutes. And we have the winners are moving up, learners are moving down, you know, we're keeping score, but it's live ball, it's exciting. We got a little bit of music on, you know, it's a real college atmosphere. I love that. I love that. And off the court, what types of activities are the kids doing? Uh, yeah, we've got nice uh, seminars uh, that is, you know, our, some of our patented seminars are a whole lot of fun. They're kind of informational and they're entertaining and the coaches get up and speak a little bit about, you know, a particular topic that pertains to college tennis and that might, you know, hit home for them. And boy, are they entertaining talks because here they are getting up in front of their peers and another 50 to maybe 70 college-bound players. And they're giving, you know, great talks where the kids can take notes and, and also uh, learn a lot about college tennis. Mm-hmm. Okay. What and then, are... of course, that in the nighttime, we take them out on, out on the town and they can really, you know, enjoy themselves, you know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. So what are some of the things that have kind of jumped out at you as deficiencies in our juniors as they're getting ready for college tennis? Because we all know that transition from the juniors to college is is pretty substantial. I mean, it's it's not just, you know, you go to bed a junior tennis player and then you wake up and boom, you're a college tennis player and you're all ready to go. Um, there is a big kind of transition phase that I think most kids go through, especially as they're getting ready to start their freshman year. So what are some of the things that you see and that you're hearing from the other coaches that they see as these freshmen come in? Yeah, that's a combination of things now. I I think, you know, to get the real serious preparation, the juniors need to get more practice matches, call up, you know, call up people to put the pressure on during the week so that they can perform better on the weekend. They're not getting the practice matches. As you know, that was being done a lot back in the 80s, 90s, when kids would make a lot of calls. There are, of course, a lot of independent, motivated kids that will line up their own practice matches. You know, there's still a lot of good clinics going on that have some match play orientation to it, yet it's very different than having your own two out of three set match lined up. Um, I I think they need three three to four practice matches a week and take some notes on what's, what's working, what's not working, Lisa. Show their pro, and boy, their pro will get that much more motivated to work on the details when it's time for the clinic and or lesson. Um, I think, you know, three to four matches a week is a, such a great learning lesson versus just the instructional lessons, which, of course, are always available and, and are sometimes excellent. But, you know, you need that competition. There's just not enough of that. And, of course, you know, we do need a little more all-court um, revival, shall we say. And I think with Coach Bolin coming in to uh, to work with the USTA, that, that might help because I think he's a big believer in the all-court game. And there are so many college coaches are, are so so big in the all-court game. I think a lot of them would love to see the kids come in with more serve and volley skills for doubles. You don't see that, hardly any doubles out there, yet alone serve and volley in doubles. Uh, but, boy, when we teach that at our camps, that transitional part, it's exciting, it's motivating, and it's a big, big thing. 
For sure. And, I mean, even with the practice matches, my goodness, they could have practice matches that are doubles matches. What a, what a radical idea, right? <laughs> well, they could. If they, if they can get four players at the same time, if not, they could play the game called one-on-one doubles, which you might be aware of. And, of course, I've been promoting it since '04 as a tournament format, but it's the half-court serve and volley singles game where you only need another player. Mm-hmm. And the rules are you have to serve and volley on both serves. All points go cross-court. Alleys are good. And, you know, you get half volleys are permitted, but the serve and volley rule is mandatory. I love that. I, that's, I'm not familiar with that. Um, talk you a little check more out about the website. that. Yeah, check out the website, oneononedoubles.com. I'll spell it for you, O-N-E-O-N-O-N-E-D-O-U-B-L-E-S. And uh, it's really a great game. It's, a, it's also a tournament format that is sanctioned by the USTA. And we've been doing a lot of it here in Florida, up in the east, eastern section. And there's a national tournament coming up at the home of the U.S. Open next Saturday with one-on-one doubles. Really? For juniors mm-hmm. as well as adults? Uh, it, this one's going to be for adults, uh, but I believe that the game will be growing for juniors. Boy, the juniors really do need it, don't you think? Oh, my gosh. I mean, without question, it's, you know... I, <laughs> It's funny watching the college matches and, you know, I go to a lot of them and I mean, the doubles that you see at the collegiate level, and I'm not talking about the the tip top teams in college tennis, but, but more the mid-level teams, you compare that to what you're seeing on the professional level and there's just such a wide gap there. So there is a lot of room for improvement uh, for our kids And, you know, it's funny, it's one of those things that's been talked about for a while that, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, if you can show a college coach that you've played a lot of doubles, that you're proficient in doubles, that that could be the difference between you and a comparable player, you know, rankings-wise, for a coach making an offer to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, if the, uh, you know, exactly. You know, if they've got the propensity uh, to serve and volley and have the mid-court volley and the half volley, they got hands, they got quick volleys, you know, um, that's huge in Division 2 and 3, as you know, because all the, all the, ga- all the matches count as one, one point. So if you sweep, you're up 3 nothing going into singles, right? Right, which is so, a huge no. mental advantage. And But even at oh, Division yeah. One, you know, going into the singles up a point versus down a point, it's huge. So, it's still real huge. It's huge. I wish they all counted as one, you know, so that it would be just as important. But, hey, at least it's one point. Right. And and now with at Division One, with the doubles only being one set, a six-game set, no ad scoring, it's very quick. So it's important for these kids to get off to a good start in their doubles matches. And the, you can really tell when you go watch these college dual matches, you can tell the kids who have really honed their double skills. Well, yeah, exactly. You can. You know, you really can. And some of them are a fish out of water and some are comfortable with it. And I would really um, like to tell the juniors and their junior coaches to definitely work on the one-on-one doubles game and, you know, make, make them really understand the pressure of what, what that game's all about. Because when I was coaching at Clemson under the great coach Creasy, they would play this game for challenge matches with no line down the middle. Of course, we do the line now. 
There was a little bit of cheating going on, not much, but that lot, I was very intrigued. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was, you know, I was very intrigued with how the baseliners got to be so proficient at serving and volleying on their half of the court. It really made the difference for our team's confidence. And then that translated over to our women at, at, at Harvard. And, you know, imagine women serving and volleying on both serves. Well, yeah. we know it's it's not happening a lot now, but doesn't mean that with the right program and the right coach, it couldn't happen. For sure. So, okay, so working on doubles is a big thing that juniors can do to get prepped for college tennis. What's something else that they can do to really get themselves ready to play at that next level? You know, another great thing that they could do is, you know, they can they can read uh, they can read uh, uh, books. You like, for instance, Coach Creasy's book. You know, coaching tennis is really all the top college coaches have that book. But I would recommend the top junior coaches and coaches get that because it really goes into understanding the, the momentum management for match play, which is some real heavy, great stuff. Very simple, not rocket science. Um, they can understand the directional concepts that are being taught in there. Of course, a lot of the top junior coaches are already teaching this in their format in their singles formats, but of course, the doubles formats are in there too. Uh, and some other examples of how to handle pressure and um, how to work how to, how to eliminate the pecking order when you're playing uh, a junior tournament. So, there's some books out there. That book in particular is phenomenal. Um, of course, there are some other ones, you know, that are great on the mental side. I think the juniors have to keep learning to learn, and that's what the coaches are there for, to keep teaching them how to learn, how to, how to improve. they got to learn how to learn. You know, Lisa? For sure, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, especially for a junior that's been with the same coach for a period of time. Uh, oftentimes that transition to a new coach when they get to college is a challenge because they're used to their junior coach's voice in their head, and now they have to get used to a new voice. And I think that can be difficult for some of these kids. It can be, and that's why I think when these kids are juniors, you know, sophomore juniors, they need to get out and maybe get exposure to a potential handful of other coaches that are, excellent at certain aspects of the game maybe they're not going to be their full-time coach but you know you know that's the hard part i think when when they go to college they just haven't been exposed to enough coaching styles so it's plus of course there's not enough attention on that kid like you used to have right right you know yeah. that coach has 10 10 10 players has to keep them entertained got to keep working on their game and a lot of the kids are going to come up with excuses why things are not working out. Sure. And, I mean, it's not just that it's a new voice, but it's a whole new set of circumstances when the kids get to college. And, you know, a lot of the top juniors these days are opting to do virtual high school or, you know, some some form of non-traditional high school and they find themselves in college all of a sudden, you know, having to be back in a classroom, having strict deadlines for turning in papers and, and test dates and things like that. And once the dual match season starts for these kids, I mean, the challenges just get exponentially more difficult because they're traveling, 
um, oftentimes through different time zones and, you know, they may not get back till late on a Sunday night and they have class at 8 a.m. Monday morning. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's funny to me when I go, you know, when I travel to the college matches and watch these kids with their laptops and their textbooks, you know, in between matches, trying to get caught up on all their schoolwork. Yeah, that the commitment level is definitely there. You know, whether you're playing Division One, Two, II, or Three, each one has their own. Um, has their, every program is different too? How they do things. So that forty-eight hour visit needs to be, you know, really a good visit, and you got to be looking at a lot of the right things. But you know, I think a lot of these juniors need to go to some college tennis matches and see what the intensity is like, and see what the kids are doing on the team, and see you know exactly what the level of play is and i think they'll get a that's a that's a motive very motivating thing when you when you get a junior that's in 10th grade or 11th grade their coach takes them to a match or their parents somehow get them to a match a couple of them would be very very good good preparation mentally for these kids you know for sure well let's talk a little bit about that cuz that's been a big pet peeve of mine is the fact that Junior coaches are not insisting that their high school age players attend at least one college match every spring, um, or depending on where they are and what division schools are in the area, maybe it's a fall match too, you know, or there's tournaments for Division One in the fall. I, I mean, there's no excuse in my mind for kids not going to at least one college match a year. And... I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. We have another great podcast for you this week with Coach Ed Crass. Ed puts on College Tennis Exposure Camp, and this is his 29th year doing those camps. And so he's got a ton of experience in helping junior players get prepared and ready for college tennis. Just to give you a little bit of background on Ed, he was the Harvard women's head coach and coached them to four consecutive Ivy League team titles and four national D1 team tournament appearances during the end of the 80s, from 86 to 90. And before that, he was the assistant men's coach at Clemson and coached under Coach Creasy there. And he led that men's team to two ACC team titles and uh, the number five national ranking in 1985. So he's had experience coaching at the collegiate level. Uh, He's also coached players who went on to have success on the professional circuit Ed himself played college tennis at the University, excuse me, University of Central Florida. He was there from 1978 to 82, and after he finished, he went on to coach that men's team. Uh, in 1983, they reached a number six national team ranking. So, Ed has some some extensive coaching experience, which he brings to his college tennis exposure camp. Ed has graciously offered a $50 discount to Parenting Aces listeners who would like to take advantage of sending their child to one of his camps this summer. All you need to do is contact Ed, and uh, his contact information will be shared at the end of the show, but uh, that phone number is 813-684-9031. That's the phone number for the College Tennis Exposure Camp. Again, 
813-684-9031. Just let them know you're a Parenting Aces listener and you'd like to take advantage of the $50 discount for the summer's camps, and they will hook you up. So without further ado, let me go ahead and bring Ed Crass on the line, and we will get started with this week's podcast. Don't miss a thing on Parenting Aces. Be sure to sign up for our free e-newsletter so you're among the first to know when a new article is posted. Simply go to ParentingAces.com and enter your email address, then click subscribe in the subscribe for updates box on the right side of the page. Thanks so much for joining us on Parenting Aces this week. I have Ed Crass with us, and I'm so excited to have him on the show. I've been wanting to have him on for a long time, and I'm kind of in college tennis mode, it seems, with the podcast lately. So, Ed, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a busy guy, and the meat of your season is just cranking up. So I think the timing is probably pretty good here. Oh, without a doubt. Thanks for having me on the show, Lisa. So I mentioned in the intro that you come from a background of playing college tennis, coaching college tennis, and now you are in the business of helping players get exposure to a variety of college coaches so that they can play college tennis. Can you give us a little bit of background on how you got started in the recruiting world? Uh, sure. Well, when I was coaching um, at Harvard in in the late '80s, a lot of the players would write me letters. That, you know, of course, there weren't any emails back then. Um, but you know, a lot of letters, a lot of phone calls from parents and players wanting to know if their player would be a nice fit for the program. And you know, they didn't quite know the profile of of, of that particular program at Harvard. And I said, you know, towards the end there and the end of my. Um, uh, stay there. I, I decided, hey, what a great, great, you know, business to get into is starting camps with college coaches and trying to get the right type of player in there that would like to play college tennis. So that was kind of my transition from Harvard into doing this. Now I've been doing it for 29 years, uh, you know, helping kids with through our camps. So when you run your camps, what is the ultimate goal of the time that the kids are there? Sure. Well, we've got two-day camps and we've got four-day camps, and both of them have similar goals. Uh, you know, the two-day camps are, are are very instructional and, and you know, they're motivational. They give the kids a lot of insight into the process. And, you know, it, it, it's it's like two-prong. You want to give them a great education and, and a great entertainment time, but at the same time, you also want the coaches to have a good shot at at looking at them for for recruiting down the road, um, so it's it's really it's really a, a two prong program. It's instructional, and of course, it does have the recruiting element at, at the end of the day. If if a, if a player uh, likes a coach and a coach likes a player, then off they go for the for the recruiting visit and all that. Fantastic, and you know, there's so much confusion over the NCAA rules in terms of making contact with coaches and, you know, where can a coach watch my kid play and when can a coach talk to my kid and when can my kid talk to a coach? And so how do you stay on top of all that to ensure that your camps are in compliance with the NCAA rules? 
Yeah, what's beautiful about our camp is that it, it is instructional. You know, if it wasn't instructional and it was just a showcase, that would be a, a very different. So basically, uh, the, a lot of the parents, they get a little confused between a showcase and a camp. And a camp uh, that we have, we just happen to have all head college coaches instructing. So it's really a nice way around that where, you know, the players can speak with the coaches and the coaches can speak with the players because it is instructional. And a showcase is a little bit more of a high-pressured tournament format, as you know, and there's a lot of them popping up around the country. And those are, those are, um, those are platforms that, you know, you really cannot have any conversation directly with coaches. Right, right. So what is the difference between the camps that you put on versus, let's say, like the Nike tennis camps on the college campuses around the country? Yeah, I would say our camps are quite a bit different is that, you know, we have all head college coaches on the court. So every coach on the court is a head college coach. And so they get to work, you know, they get to work directly with, you know, those players. And the Nike camp, they might have an excellent, you know, director that's a head college coach on that campus. But they're usually at the at the freedom to hire whoever they want as instructors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, know, I would I mean, say that quality is different. Okay. So at your camp, you have more than one head coach instructing at a time, right? I mean, it's not just right. the head coach fi- of that. Exactly. So that's about 15 head coaches at each camp instructing on the courts. So let's say we have, you know, 55 players or whatever, you know, they'd all get to work with a different coach every 25 minutes. And we have the winners are moving up, learners are moving down, you know, we're keeping score, but it's live ball, it's exciting. We got a little bit of music on, you know, it's a real college atmosphere. I love that. I love that. And off the court, what types of activities are the kids doing? Uh, yeah, we've got nice uh, seminars. Uh, that is, you know, our, some of our patented seminars are a whole lot of fun. They're kind of informational and they're entertaining, and the coaches get up and speak a little bit about, you know, a particular topic that pertains to college tennis and that might, you know, hit home for them. And boy, are they entertaining talks because here they are getting up in front of their peers and another 50 to maybe 70 college-bound players. And they're giving, you know, great talks where the kids can take notes and, and also uh, learn a lot about college tennis. Mm-hmm. Okay, what and then, are... of course, that in the nighttime, we take them out on, out on the town and they can really, you know, enjoy themselves, you know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. So what are some of the things that have kind of jumped out at you as deficiencies in our juniors as they're getting ready for college tennis? Because we all know that transition from the juniors to college is is pretty substantial. I mean, it's it's not just, you know, you go to bed a junior tennis player and then you wake up and boom, you're a college tennis player and you're all ready to go. Um, there is a big kind of transition phase that I think most kids go through, especially as they're getting ready to start their freshman year. So what are some of the things that you see and that you're hearing from the other coaches that they see as these freshmen come in? 
Yeah, and this is a combination of things now, I, I think, you know, you, to get the real serious preparation, the juniors need to get more practice matches, call up, you know, call up people that put the pressure on uh, during the week so that they can perform better on the weekend. They're not getting the practice matches. As you know, that was being done a lot back in the 80s, 90s, when kids would make a lot of calls. There are, of course, a lot of independent, motivated kids that will line up their own practice matches. You know, there's still a lot of good clinics going on that have some match play orientation to it, yet it's very different than having your own two out of three set match lined up. Um, I, th- I think they need three three to four practice matches a week and take some notes on what's, what's working, what's not working, Lisa. Show their pro, and boy, their pro will get that much more motivated to work on the details when it's time for the clinic and or lesson. Um, I think, you know, three to four matches a week is a, such a great learning lesson versus just the instructional lessons, which, of course, are always available and, and are sometimes excellent. But, you know, you need that competition. There's just not enough of that. And, of course, you know, we do need a little more all-court um, revival, shall we say. And I think with Coach Boland coming in to uh, to work with the USTA, that, that might help because I think he's a big believer in the all-court game. And there are so many college coaches are, are so so big in the all-court game. I think a lot of them would love to see the kids come in with more serve and volley skills for doubles. You don't see that, hardly any doubles out there, yet alone serve and volley in doubles. Uh, but, boy, when we teach that at our camps, that transitional part, it's exciting, it's motivating, and it's a big, big thing. For sure. And, I mean, even with the practice matches, my goodness, they could have practice matches that are doubles matches. What a, what a radical idea, right? <laughs> well, they could. If they, if they can get four players at the same time, if not, they could play the game called one-on-one doubles, which you might be aware of. And, of course, I've been promoting it since '04 as a tournament format, but it's the half-court serve and volley singles game where you only need another player. Mm-hmm. And the rules are you have to serve and volley on both serves. All points go cross court. Alleys are good, and you know you get half volleys are permitted. But the serve and volley rule is mandatory. I love that. I that's I'm not familiar with that. Um, talk you a little check more out about the website. that. Yeah, check out the website one on one doubles dot com. I'll spell it for you: o n e o n o n e d o u b l e s. And uh, it's really a great game. It's, a, it's also a tournament format that is sanctioned by the USTA. And we've been doing a lot of it here in Florida, up in the east, eastern section. And there's a national tournament coming up at the home of the U.S. Open next Saturday with one-on-one doubles. Really? For juniors mm-hmm. as well as adults? Uh, it, this one's going to be for adults. Uh, but I believe that the game will be growing for juniors. Boy, the juniors really do need it, don't you think? Oh my gosh. I mean, without question, it's, you know, it's funny watching the college matches and, you know, I go to a lot of them and I mean, the doubles that you see at the collegiate level, and I'm not talking about the the tip top teams in college tennis, but, but more the mid-level teams, you compare that to what you're seeing on the professional level and there's just such a wide gap there. So there is a lot of room for improvement uh, for our kids 
And, you know, it's funny, it's one of those things that's been talked about for a while that, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, if you can show a college coach that you've played a lot of doubles, that you're proficient in doubles, that that could be the difference between you and a comparable player, you know, rankings-wise for a coach making an offer to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, if the, You know, exactly. You know, if they've got the propensity uh, to serve and volley and have the mid-court volley and the half volley, they got hands, they got quick volleys, you know, um, that's huge in Division 2 and 3, as you know, because all the, all the, all the matches count as one, one point. So if you sweep, you're up 3 nothing going into singles, right? Right, which is so a huge no. mental advantage. And But even at oh, Division yeah. One, you know, going into the singles up a point versus down a point, it's huge. So, it's still real huge. It's huge. I wish they all counted as one, you know, so that it would be just as important. But, hey, at least it's one point. Right. And and now with at Division One, with the doubles only being one set, a six-game set, no ad scoring, it's very quick. So it's important for these kids to get off to a good start in their doubles matches. And the, you can really tell when you go watch these college dual matches, you can tell the kids who have really honed their double skills. Well, yeah, exactly. You can. You know, you really can. And some of them are a fish out of water and some are comfortable with it. And I would really um, like to tell the juniors and their junior coaches to definitely work on the one-on-one doubles game and, you know, make make them really understand the pressure of what, what that game's all about. Because when I was coaching at Clemson under the great coach Creasy, they would play this game for challenge matches with no line down the middle. Of course, we do the line now. There was a little bit of cheating going on, not much, but I was very intrigued. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was, you know, I was very intrigued with how the baseliners got to be so proficient at serving and volleying on their half of the court. It really made the difference for our team's confidence. And then that translated over to our women at, at, at Harvard. And, you know, imagine women serving and volleying on both serves. Well, yeah. we know it's it's not happening a lot now, but doesn't mean that with the right program and the right coach, it couldn't happen. For sure. So, okay, so working on doubles is a big thing that juniors can do to get prepped for college tennis. What's something else that they can do to really get themselves ready to play at that next level? You know, another great thing that they could do is, you know, they can – they can read. Uh, they can read uh, uh, books. You like, for instance, Coach Creasy's book. You know, Coaching Tennis is really all the top college coaches have that book. But I would recommend the top junior coaches and coaches get that because it really goes into understanding the, the momentum management for match play, which is some real heavy, great stuff. Very simple, not rocket science. Um, they can understand the directional concepts that are being taught in there. Of course, a lot of the top junior coaches are already teaching this in their format, in their singles formats. But of course, the doubles formats are in there too. Uh, and some other examples of how to handle pressure and um, how to work, how to, how to eliminate the pecking order when you're playing uh, a junior tournament. So, there's some books out there. That book in particular is phenomenal. Um, of course, there's some other ones, you know, that are great on the mental side. I think the juniors have to keep learning to learn, and that's what the coaches are there for, to keep teaching them how to learn, 
how to mm-hmm. how to improve. They got to learn how to learn. You know, Lisa. For sure, for sure, and you know it's it's interesting, especially for a junior that's been with the same coach for a period of time. Uh, oftentimes, that transition to a new coach when they get to college is a challenge because they're used to their junior coach's voice in their head, and now they have to get used to a new voice. And I think that can be difficult for some of these kids. It can be, and that's why I think when these kids are juniors, you know, sophomore juniors, they need to get out and maybe get exposure to a potential handful of other coaches that are excellent at certain aspects of the game. Maybe they're not going to be their full-time coach, but... You know, you know that's the hard part. I think when when they go to college, they just haven't been exposed to enough coaching styles. So it's plus, of course, there's not enough attention on that kid like you used to have. Right, right. You know, yeah. that coach has ten, ten, ten players. Has to keep them entertained. Got to keep working on their game. And a lot of the kids are going to come up with excuses why things are not working out. Sure. And, I mean, it's not just that it's a new voice, but it's a whole new set of circumstances when the kids get to college. And, you know, a lot of the top juniors these days are opting to do virtual high school or, you know, some some form of non-traditional high school. And they find themselves in college all of a sudden, you know, having to be back in a classroom, having strict deadlines for turning in papers and and test dates and things like that. And once the dual match season starts for these kids, I mean, the challenges just get exponentially more difficult because they're traveling um, oftentimes through different time zones and, you know, they may not get back till late on a Sunday night and they have class at 8 a.m. Monday morning. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's funny to me when I go, you know, when I travel to the college matches and watch these kids with their laptops and their textbooks, you know, in between matches, trying to get caught up on all their schoolwork. Yeah, that the commitment level is definitely there. You know, whether you're playing Division One, Two, II, or Three, each one has their own. Um, has their, every program is different too how they do things so that 48 hour visit needs to be you know really a good visit and you got to be looking at a lot of the right things but you know I think a lot of these juniors need to go to some college tennis matches and see what the intensity is like and see what the kids are doing on the team and see you know exactly what the level of play is and I think they'll get a that's a that's a motive very motivating thing when you when you get a junior that's in 10th grade or 11th grade, their coach takes them to a match, or their parents somehow get them to a match. A couple of them would be very, very good. Good preparation mentally for these kids, you know? For sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, because that's been a big pet peeve of mine, is the fact that junior coaches are not insisting that their high school age players attend at least one college match every spring um, or depending on where they are and what division schools are in the area maybe it's a fall match too you know or there's tournaments for division one in the fall I, I mean there's no excuse in my mind for kids not going to at least one college match a year and you know, from your perspective, you're around college coaches all the time and have been a college coach. I mean, 
obviously you see the value in having the junior players attend these matches. What are some of the things that they can learn by attending these matches to help them kind of get themselves geared up and ready to play at that next level? Yeah, I think they can learn uh, a lot. There's, uh, you know, if they actually take their notebook, they can take a few notes down about how the players structure their points, how they react after a point, after a bad point. They can, um, they can see the enthusiasm of a team. Sometimes after each point, the doubles intensity is out of this world, and it's going to make them get motivated to play some doubles or request some doubles. You know, how to, how to accept coaching on the court, which, you know, they don't get a chance to do. I don't know why, but junior tournaments, no coaching allowed. Now, all of a sudden, they come to college, and there's a whole bunch of coaching, and then there's a lot of fans yelling. So, I mean, this is a, this is a huge transition. That's why I run my camp, is to get, get these kids used to this wild transition. And we do make it wild and make it fun, because that's what college tennis is all about. Sure. And, you know, let's, let's touch on that coaching on the court because that's a, an, another tough transition for a lot of kids. And every college coach has his or her own style of how they interact with their players during matches. Some coaches are very hands-off, some are very involved, and, you know, there's everything in between. Um, interestingly, you know, my son has had the opportunity to be the on-court coach for some of his teammates um, this season when he's been out with injury, and and it's interesting to talk to him, you know, after that, and, you know, I've asked him, like, what do you say when you're out there? You know, what are you, what are you talking about on the side change? And, and you know, his response is, you know, everybody's kind of needs something different out there. So it's important, I guess, for the college coaches to really understand the needs of the individual player, but it's also the coach is the one in charge. So a lot of times the players have to adjust to the coach's style, not vice versa. Yeah, you know, and the players have to really learn how to coach themselves too because a lot of times they cannot rely on the head, on the head coach or the assistant coach all the time when things are getting a little rough out there. Uh, I think that a good player knows how to coach himself and that just a little extra coaching when it's needed is can take a kid over the edge. I remember when I was coaching at Harvard, of course, those women were so, you know, very tough mentally as it was and they understood, you know, um, what pressure was all about that for me to walk out on the court, I better have something real good to say, keep it short, keep it sweet, <laughs> keep it specific, you know, yeah. and they yeah. were more into the specifics rather than me getting out there and talking a lot. And boy, that taught me a lot is that don't, you know, don't talk unless you have something important to say. And don't just walk out there because the kid's winning and you want to, you know, stick out your chest and take the credit for it. You know, usually if a kid's winning and beating them easily, you really don't need to go out there too much. You know, it's usually when your player is starting to lose a little bit and they're losing momentum. They lost a couple games in a row. That's when a coach can kind of turn the momentum in college matches. And the kids don't get to experience that in the juniors. You know, you have to trust your coach, too, and you got to relax and listen to what the coach has to say. And whether or not you can execute it, if you can, that's a beautiful thing. Hopefully you can learn to execute what the coach is saying because you built up trust. And when you do execute and you start to win, oh, my Lord, is that, that's college tennis right there. 
Yeah, that's pretty special. That's pretty special. Let's talk um, some about uh, some of the other aspects of getting ready for college tennis. One of the kind of, and I'm using air quotes, um, this is where I really need to do video instead of audio because I like to use my hands a lot, but um, one of the, quote, complaints that I hear from college coaches quite often is that the kids come to school in the fall not in optimal physical condition for training and competing. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what type of preparation kids need to do, especially that summer before their freshman year of college. Sure. You know, a, a lot of times the kids are, are, are either taking, doing a job for the first time thinking they need to hustle up and make some money, uh, maybe because their parents told them to, but um, or they're going to the beach, they're relaxing. But some of them are really working hard on their tennis, whether it would be tournaments, practice matches, stretching, sprinting, a couple long-distance runs. You know, they can certainly, you know, uh, pick the, the, the mind of the college coach and really take notes on what exactly is it that the coach wants what what is it, what what's a program that that coach would put that player on to get ready for that team? Um, you know, there's a lot of miscommunication because nobody's talking. All you do mm-hmm. is pick up the phone or email. Hey, coach, give me some um, give me a game plan on what I should be doing on a daily basis. Let me see if I can at least get ready here. Well, and I think it's important for the college coaches to understand too that. Um, you know, for some of these kids, they their work has been on the court, you know, for the past 10 years, 12 years. They have been getting better by playing tennis as opposed to getting in the gym or getting on the track or going to yoga. Um, you know, maybe they their junior coach isn't well-versed in off-court training. Maybe they don't have access to you know, good guidance in terms of off-court training. So the college coaches, in my opinion, some of them are really good about providing a plan for the kids, and others of them are really not good at it. Right, right. So, you know, you have to see what is going to be, what's going to work for you. Some of the juniors have coaches who really have have a great plan for them. Uh, sometimes they see a strength a strength trainer that's very well versed in tennis, uh, weight training, flexibility work, speed work. Uh, um, what about injuries? Injury prevention, sure. icing your body. You know, we, I never used to ice my body, but you see all these smart college players. You know, because they got good coaches, tell them to ice their body now after every match because it's so. Well, recovery is huge. Recovery is yeah. huge. They have a very short window to get themselves ready to compete again. Right, and the rackets are very powerful, and they, you know, and you string them tight, and off go with those upper body injuries if they're not, you know, if these muscles are not flexible and strong, and you know, you've got to do so much extra work. It looks like just to be able to compete nowadays. For sure, and and I think to coach. I mean, I think you know, with with all of the technology available now. As a coach, it's got to be very challenging to keep up with what's going on out there and to make sure that your protocols are meeting today's standards. And the standards just 
seem to be changing almost by the minute. I mean, it's, it's almost as bad as the NCAA rules, right? They, I mean, you know, there's new technology every week. Um, I'm reading about right. stuff coming out. So to try and keep up with all that while at the same time performing the rest of the duties that a head coach is expected to perform uh, is a pretty daunting task. Yeah, it is. I mean, a lot of the college coaches, you know, they they recognize there's so many aspects to coaching college tennis, you know, besides all the on-court and off-court work and, you know, some of the relationships they have to keep building, you know, with the player and the parents and the alum. I mean, they have to get to become a great promoter of the game, too, and and really get the community involved. And that there is can be a full-time job because – Look at what a great job Brian Boland did, and some of the other top coaches uh, that are, you know, that are top Division One coaches. They know how to get the people there and and make it a legitimate sport. You know, this is a whole other full time job. I mean, a lot of coaches don't want to touch that end of it, but they they learn and they have to. They need to get people there to watch the matches to make it a, you know, because there's programs are getting cut left and right, and uh, we need to be able to. Pr- promote this as I think the, the ITA is is well on their way to getting this into a nice three-hour format um, even though there's a lot of there's some of the um, traditional folk out there that still don't like what's happening with the shortened version of the matches but this I would be one of those people <laughs> right, I'm right. But there's those, been yeah. a lot of there's been right there's been a lot of thought put into this so you know that, that that that's another topic too is is promo- promoting and marketing your 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 team and you just don't have anybody but the coach really to do that right now. Yeah, outside I mean, of everything else. Sure, and and you know that's another another show entirely I think, but um, you know I will say that I feel like it for most schools they have a business and marketing major at their school, and I've said this before, I feel like the coaches could reach out to the professors in those departments and find students who would take on promoting their team as as a semester-long project or a quarter-long project, and, you know, that could be a great way to integrate other students outside of tennis into what's happening on the courts and, you know, really promote the game that way. But Oh, yeah, um, that would be a great idea. I, you know, that's just one of many I have, Ed. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's get back to your camps. Um, can you take us through a typical day uh, at one of your camps and what the kids can expect to experience there? Yeah, absolutely. If if they're spending the night at Lehigh University, for instance, which are two four-day camps, you know, they wake up in their dorm around 6, 6.30, and they get ready to uh, go for breakfast right at seven, and then um, you know, then the bus takes them down the uh, down the mountain, and they they get out of the bus or right around you know they, it's like a ten minute bus ride. They're getting pumped up as a team, you know, and then they they get out and they they probably hear the Doors playing or Led Zeppelin or might be the Old Stones, school. you know. Yeah, they're going to hear some good music, you know, not too loud, but just enough to get into their brains that, hey, we're we're into something different here. And yeah. uh, then they get it warming up, and they they get a nice warm-up. And, they, and then the coaches come out of their coaches' meeting, and we get organized, too, with our game plan. 
And then we get out there and we put them through the first presentation, maybe five, ten minutes of, of, of uh, learning. And then we all come together as a group that way. And then we get out there and jog and stretch, get the players real warmed up and, and fired up for a great day. And then they go off to their courts and, um, you know, they work on their uh, their singles match play and they work on their doubles match play. And we definitely do some one-on-one doubles match play as well. And there's, you know, there's real good high-energy live ball instruction. Coaches can, you know, be a good cheerleader out there, but their coaching style is really, you know, on display because they can make the nice corrections and the kids learn how to accept, how to receive co- different styles of coaching at the camp. Mm-hmm. That's important. You know, and they get to really learn. They come out, you know. You, some of the kids come out of their shell after a while because they see that these coaches are having so much fun with the tennis. They they can't believe that the adults are giving them that much respect. Number one, and showing them that they're having a lot of fun. Number two, that now all of a sudden the kids are trying to catch up with the having fun. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And and so they have in the morning they they're on the court and then I I assume there's lunch break and and uh, then what happens after lunch? Uh, then there's a nice seminar uh, about college tennis. Usually they'll get to see, listen to maybe four four to five coaches give a little short speech, or we may be doing a roundtable um, about recruiting questions, which as you know, the kids can have a lot of questions and the coaches have a lot of answers. It may be like a half half minute question and a half minute answer, uh, or the coaches usually you can speak at least a minute, don't you think? Oh yeah. On, on a on a good answer, but you know <laughs> if we work as if we work on a t- as a team, we try to keep it to about a minute so all the coaches can be heard and all the kids can in the afternoon. Uh, the, the you know usually a lot of the seminars are all about college tennis preparation, and it's good for anybody who's ninth grade. You know, starting ninth grade if they're playing the tournaments through the twelfth grade, obviously. But um, we we get uh, a good mat we get good match play going in the team format at Lehigh where we do the four day camps, and you play your uh, the each you have two coaches coaching a team, and there may be eight to ten players on a team. And the coaches give them a nice uh, talk before the match, and then they go out and they they play the lineup, how they pick it, and the and the kids get to learn what it's like to be on a college team. I love that. That's a great aspect of the camp. Oh yeah, in the doubles, we do the serve and volley doubles. We we don't play doubles; we play serve and volley doubles. So we, you know, if I talk about it like that, then everybody knows what we're doing. For sure. For sure, not so, great. And the the ladies really start to enjoy it too. I know they don't play as much sometimes as the fellows, but they're very athletic. I think they're just as athletic as the fellows if you give them the repetitions. And I think it's a lot of fun. The coaches get a real thrill out of seeing the junior serve and volley in their doubles. Yeah, that's great. I love that, and uh, I'm sure the kids love it too because it's as we said, you know, they don't get to play a ton of doubles. No, they don't, and they have a lot of fun with that. And then every game counts for your team. We use a little bit of that world team tennis, Billie Jean King style of counting it all up. So then what would happen at the end of the match? It could be 120 for for the uh, for the Red Rockers, and it could be 119 for the Electric Dogs, you know? And That's we'll awesome. use the – yeah, we'll use the nicknames of both coaches. So every coach has a nickname at the camp. 
and we make it kind of fun and aggressive, you know? That's great. And so after the competitive play in the afternoon, then what happens? Okay, now if it's uh if it's a two day camp, then they can go home with their parents and the parents are usually staying for the whole camp and they're having fun. That's the first time we've done that is is have the parents at at at, at the camp. And uh but the four day camp where they're sleeping over, usually the parents are aren't there hardly at all. So then the kids would get on the bus with they go up to the dorms and uh then they go right to dinner. Actually, we take them right to dinner so they don't skip their dinner. You know, they got to have a good good meal, all you can eat. And then they go back and have a quick shower, and then they get back with the coach, the three coaches that are on duty, and they go out in the evening. Um, you know, in the evening, we'll let the um, the students will ride the bus, and the coaches can be in the back having fun. Fantastic. And the coaches, yeah. I mean, this is something I've talked about before, the college coaches really are uh, like a fraternity or sorority. I mean, they all, you know, as much as they're rivals when their teams are on the court playing each other, they're they're a pretty convivial bunch of people. And you see them at the tournaments, and they love hanging out together, maybe grabbing a beer at the end of the day, whatever it is. And, um, I, you know, that's a cool aspect. And, you know, we – with the NCAA championships coming up in Athens, um, one of my favorite things is is watching the coaches interact with each other, and I oh, think yeah. it's such a cool a cool group of people overall. There, you know, there's some that are that are better than others, I will say, but um, overall, mm-hmm. I think it's just a fantastic group. And it is you know, for these it kids, yeah, for the kids to have the chance to really interact with them extensively during your camps, I think is is pretty unique, and um, you know, I think it's something they need to take advantage of. What are some of the questions that you've heard come up in your roundtables at your camps, or questions that you wish kids would ask? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of some good questions might be, um, you know, what do you look for in a in a recruit? Um, what, what would be, you know, maybe some tie-breaking qualities that you would look for in a recruit if, if I'm ranked the same as another kid? And, you know, what, what would you, a coach, what would you like for me to do? What do, I, what do I need to be ranked on the UTR? What do you look at more, um, you know, besides the video? What are some things, you know, that you would recommend I could do to, you know, to be noticed by you? Um, you know, would you like a phone call now and then or? A lot of the kids don't make the phone calls, you know, so there's a lot of questions that they may be prepared to ask the coaches because they practiced it with their parents. A lot of them don't even prepare any questions, you know. They're, some of them are, are a little bit, you know, they're a little bit hesitant to ask good questions, but most of the kids that come are, are very, very good about it. They've got a load of good questions. And the coaches, I mean, they actually try to stump the coaches sometimes with some really great off-the-wall questions. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So I want to just wrap up here, but before I do that, I wanted to give you a chance to promote your website and tell folks how they can get a hold of you, how they can sign up for the camps. Sure. Uh, They can get in touch uh, with me. Um, uh, My phone number is 813-684-9031, and that's uh, my office with the College Tennis Exposure Camp. 
My cell number is 813-478-3384. And my email, uh, they can email ecrass at tampabay.rr.com. And the website is collegetennis.com. We've had that website, you know, since 95, I guess since the computer came out with the Internet. So it's a real nice website. Yeah, it's yeah, nice. Yeah, it is great. And it's got all the details, and, and families can register right there on the website for any of the upcoming camps, right? Yep, they can register right there. And we're still in business doing it, 29 years, and we, we keep getting better and learning more. And, you know, we really are excited to work with the up-and-coming youth that want to work with us. Well, great. I, You know, our mantra around Parenting Aces is hashtag save college tennis. The ITA has been promoting the hashtag grow college tennis. And I think between your work and um, some of the stuff we're doing at Parenting Aces, we're going to accomplish both of those things. Yes, let's do it, shall we? I, I think that would be a great plan. It would be fabulous, and it sounds like you're doing great work with Parenting Aces, Lisa, and it's real nice that you include me on on one of the shows here. Well, I'm so glad to finally get you on. I think you and I have been exchanging messages on Facebook for many, many years, and your name keeps cropping up, and, you know, parents will email me and say, I'm I'm thinking about sending my kid to an Ed Cross college exposure camp. What do you think? And you know, I, I've heard wonderful things about what you do, so I'm just thrilled to finally get you on the podcast. Oh, well, thanks a million, and, and we'll be happy to do it any time, and looking forward to seeing you in Athens, okay? Absolutely. Thanks so much, Ed. And thanks to my listeners, thank, yep, to my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Parenting Aces. Tennisballs.com is your one-stop shop for all the latest tennis news, stories, and photos from around the world. Their talented writers share insights from the Pro Tour, the latest tennis technology, and behind-the-scenes looks at your favorite tennis tournaments and events. Check out Tennisballs.com. That's 10sballs.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents... By a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, visit us online at parentingaces.com. As always, a huge thank you to our sponsor, tennisballs.com.